What's up, guys? This is the Collier Shot Podcast. This is episode six. Um, we had the Pro Bowl this weekend. Not going to lie, I didn't really watch much. Um, heard good things, though, so we're actually going to get into a little bit of that. Um, my solution for what I think they should kind of maybe try to do with the Pro Bowl going forward. Um, we had some Josh Jacobs news come out this weekend. Um, talk a little bit about that, kind of what Vegas can do, can or can't do. We'll see. And then um, I finished at least the top 10 for my running backs going into next year. So we'll go over that. I'll probably talk through it. I'll probably end up changing my mind on something halfway through. But um, that's what we have so far. and We'll go through that. And then, yeah, so that's the show. Um, if you're listening on Spotify, make sure you follow. Um, if you like it, five stars. If you don't, four. And uh, let's get into it. So I'm not gonna lie, barely watched any of the Pro Bowl stuff. I mean, I I'll say I do like the games. I like the like the passing, dodgeball, the longest drive contest. I actually watched the whole line, longest drive contest. I thought that was kind of kind of funny. But um, for the most part, when you get down to the actual like game, it's flag football now. I mean, it's that's just it's just kind of a joke. I mean, I've played like I played flag football in college. Like it's not. It's competitive. Like people can go back and forth and get a little chippy and stuff like that. It's flag football. Like that's not really what people want to watch. And I understand the league's doing the most of what they have. They got to prevent injuries. Even though Miles Garrett like broke his toe doing one of the obstacle courses today, which is kind of funny. But um, you know, it's just like I just at this point, the game's just honestly, like I said before, just kind of a joke. I will say though, earlier in the week, it was during the precision passing. Derek Carr had a comment where he was talking about, they asked him, or it was Ryan Clark, I think, asked him. It's like, you know, like, have you ever been this hot thrown in Vegas? And he's like, no, that's probably why I'm, why I'm going to be playing somewhere else next year. And it got me thinking about what I would do to kind of fix the Pro Bowl. And I, it wouldn't even really be the Pro Bowl at this point. I don't know. I don't know how I would describe it, but it would be what would be, be taking place in lieu of the Pro Bowl. So every year millions of people watch the NFL combine. Like it's one of the biggest like events people watch. You got all your random guys, you know, people from schools that you might watch every week and you want to see them move on to the next level. You got your superstar players, guys that are going top tens, like your Bryce Youngs, your Will Andersons, your Jalen Carters and stuff like that. My thinking is what if they had a combine sort of thing for the guys already in the league? So like, kind of put in perspective when I was in high school and I was looking to play college baseball we had a bunch of these showcases that I would go to basically every weekend you go the first day you do a bunch of drills you know you hit in front of coaches do infield outfield and then you throw bullpens and then the next day you play a game with all the other guys it's kind of like not really playing to wins just everybody's gonna throw everybody's gonna hit stuff like that but you know all these different college schools, you know, not great ones. I wasn't, I wasn't that good, but you know, all these coaches come out to come watch these guys and, you know, 
that's how people get recruited. And that's like similar for football, like seven on seven camps. Now that's kind of how things work. I think we, you could do a similar sort of event to the combine, but with pro guys. So, you know, Thursday through Saturday, you run through all the drills, you do the 40, you do the long jump, you do the routes, you know, the one-on-ones, all that kind of stuff that they do early in the week for the combine. And then like, to, like today's, it's still Sunday when I'm recording this, but like today would have been the game. And I think this would be a really great opportunity for a lot of these guys, you know, second string guys, you know, guys looking for jobs, you know, playing for their NFL careers, just being able to get some one more game on tape, being able to get in front of more coaches, talk to them, you know, exchange information, just having more stuff on tape. So maybe somebody sees this game and they say, oh, like this guy, you know, he's going up against, you know, NFL level competition and he, you know, played well. He showed out in this game. You know, maybe there's something there. And like, again, you can have like these, you know, second, third string guys, but it's, I think you can work out a way to have it. So guys like Derek Carr, like if this, that sort of event happened this weekend, Derek Carr could have just showed up and he said, I'm going to put stuff on tape for every team in the league. I'm going to come to the drills. I'm going to throw. I'm going to talk to like, I don't know if he'd be able to talk to GMs or something like that, but you know, just being able to go to these events and show like what you have, be able to like, you know, again, play games like Derek Carr sat out the last couple of weeks of the season. You know, there's just more opportunities for these GMs to see them. And like, I, God forbid if this ever would happen, but what, what if like a Lamar Jackson shows up like guys that like want to be traded? Like, I don't, I'm not saying that he wants to be traded, but like, you know, in the past, like, what if last year, like, a guy like A.J. Brown shows up and he's like, oh, well, I'm going to go through all this stuff. I'm going to go talk to GMs, like, all these different things. So I, not only, like, you know, guys that don't get the opportunity to play, guys that want to be moved and want to go to other teams. It's just a full-speed game, guys going at it, you know, play like, not playing for their crews, but there's a little bit of, like, a last-chance-you aspect of it that could be involved. And, like, another way you could look at it is, like, you could have – coaches too that want to you know get out there and like get back into the league like i mean this year you'd have like you could have guys that like sean payton that have been out of the league and they're you know they want to come back they want to get to coaching they want to like you know go through a week and do all this stuff and then meanwhile you could have another guy like eric Bieniemy who you know he's been with kansas city all this time but he's you know he doesn't really call 100 percent of the plays so there's you know questions about that whether it's his offense Andy Reid's offense he goes to these games he can show you know GMs and higher-ups executives like hey this is what a practice like week would look like under me like this is like how I would call plays this is all this different stuff it just gives another door kind of open to coaches players you know you could have position coaches calling plays you know stuff like that I think it would just you know I think the tough thing would be allowing other GMs and executives to talk to people from different teams. There would have to be something where, you know, your team would have to allow that. Like, again, like if say this offseason Lamar Jackson went to it, it would be very, I don't know if the Ravens would be really be comfortable with him talking to like, Ed, like Arthur Smith just is there. He's like, they're just, you know, talking about, Oh yeah, this is what we would do with you and all this different stuff. I think there's some kinks that would have to be worked out with it. But I think that would be a good way to get like a real football game that actually matters. Because again, like a last chance you kind of vibe where it's like the, you got a lot of guys that are playing for their career. Like that's why tanking doesn't work in the NFL. Like it doesn't in the NBA. Like 
you can't just not try. You're going to get smoked. You'll get killed out on the field. So, you know, you get different guys. Like, I mean, what, what happens if like a receiver on a team with a bad quarterback goes to one of these things and they, oh, he goes and plays with Derek Carr. It's like, oh, he's just open all the time and he's making plays now that he has a functional quarterback. I don't know. I feel like this would be something that the league could look into. I think there would definitely be, you know, stuff you'd have to work out with, you know, certain organizations talking to other organizations, players that are currently under contract, but, you know, upcoming free agents for the most part, I feel like would be a big portion of these people. It'd be voluntary. So you could choose whether or not you want to go. I mean, like, like, I'm not saying this guy wants to leave, but like, if Stefan Diggs wanted to show up and be like, yeah, I'm not, I don't want to leave or anything, but I just want to go play. Like I want to go play against my brother. So like, it could be opportunities for stuff like that. Like other players could still play in this game, but completely voluntary, just more of a chance for guys to kind of show what they have more of a showcase kind of event, NFL combine, but for the pros is what I'm thinking to replace the pro bowl. So Sounds like Josh Jacobs said this weekend that he will not be playing under the franchise tag next year. Um, I looked up the franchise tag, would probably be like $10 million for running backs next season. Um, he also said they haven't even started negotiations, which I think is kind of weird because you hear like Saquon talk about how like they've been kind of going back and forth like throughout the year. Um, said that he thinks that they'll start next week. We'll probably hear more about that next week. But um, – I think it's just going to be really interesting whether or not he stays or leaves Las Vegas. Um, he's again, franchise tag is $10 million In all likelihood. Derek Carr is getting cut just because he has no trade clause. So they are basically, I, there's a day in March. I think it is where they basically have to make a decision whether he's going to be on the roster or not. Cause that's when his big money starts to kick in. So there's no sense in him you know, accepting a trade somewhere when he can just get cut and then go wherever he wants. So I think, you know, once he gets cut, that's going to be like 5 million dead cap. A lot of people think that Aaron Rodgers is going to be going to Vegas. There's a lot of the Pebble Beach stuff. Everybody's asking, you know, if Devontae needs a neighbor and stuff like that. Um, I think that reunion would be cool. We'll see what happens there. But again, Rodgers cap hits are through the roof. I mean, it's going to be 31 this upcoming season, 40. 59 two years or three years from now and then 53 million dollars so i mean that's just going to be absurd for somebody that's i mean all likelihood he's probably gonna retire before then we'll see he says it every year but he ends up showing up um and again if you're las vegas if you really plan on bringing in rogers you look at the guys you already have under contract max crosby 20 million chandler jones 19 million colton miller the left tackle 17 million Devontae, this year is a little under 15, but that number is going to jump up the next couple of years. Renfro, 13, and then Waller, another 12 million. That's 96. That's almost $100 million just with those, like, what, six guys? And, you know, I don't know how there's going to be room for those guys, Rodgers and Josh Jacobs. I mean, you look at what the market's going to be. It's probably going to be like 12 to 14 a year. I mean, the most recent guys that have been getting these kinds of deals have been getting around 12. So you expect him to ask for, you know, they always ask for like the, the next little tier above that. So they could tag him, but then you're paying him $10 million. And if he says he doesn't want to play on the tag, that just kind of tanks the value. He has 
the Raiders in that point have zero leverage to move him. So we'll see what happens with that. I mean, we've seen Le'Veon Bell, you know, sit out the whole year on the tag. I mean, honestly, it was not the best decision. Like looking back, you know, hindsight's 2020. Um, again, it's just like all the different aspects that go into Jacobs coming back. One of the things is like the Patriots front office, they have, you know, they have Ziegler, I think, and then Josh McDaniels. They don't really fork over the big money for the running back position. You know, you look back in the past, like the Patriots are known for just cycling through guys. They're not going to, you know, the Ben Jarvis Green Ellis's. They're going to, you know, the Blunts, the James Whites, all those different guys. They don't really, they're not spending a large amount of cash on the running back position. And it's like, you know, again, you look and then again, the Patriot connection. They're looking into Jimmy Garoppolo now today, too, I guess. I saw that like later in the day. I don't know what his market's going to be. It's definitely going to be less than Rodgers, I would say, pretty confidently. Um, but, again, that makes sense. They they know Jimmy. Like, they've worked with Jimmy before. I think it would definitely be easier to bring Josh Jacobs back in that case. My guess is that he does end up getting six, getting extended. Excuse me. I don't know if that's necessarily what I would do. I mean, you look at the landscape of the league right now. There's It's a loaded running back draft load free agent class like we talked about a couple weeks ago all the different guys i mean like not saying that you can get josh jacobs in free agency but you can it's the 80 20 rule if you can get 80 percent of his production for 20 percent of the cost that's something you have to look into especially with you know all the guys you're already paying down the line like if you want to you know be able to just compete in other spots like their line is terrible already so if you like are paying 12 million dollars to josh jacobs that's money that could be possibly better spent elsewhere again like i think we just kind of need to take a step back and look at you know this time a year ago josh jacobs didn't get his fifth year option picked up like they like he had four or three years of tape they they saw him they didn't want to they didn't think that he would be part of their future plans it's like he was lumped into that big group with the Jonathan Abrams and the Cleveland Farrells of, oh, yeah, those are Gruden and Mayox guys that failed. Like, there's the whole list of all the guys that they've taken in the first round, and none of them worked out. Josh Jacobs was in that group. So, I mean, maybe they unlock something. There's a lot of – I've listened to a lot of people, like your Benjamin Solis have said, like, he's been one of the best running backs in the league. Yes, that's true, but he also, you know, he had 390 touches this year. It makes me a little concerned that maybe, you know, they were just like, oh, yeah, well, we got him for one year. Why not just, you know, use run those tires down, run all the tread off those tires. So I don't know. Maybe they did unlock something. I'm not the biggest fan of those second contracts for the running backs. Unless this guy like, you know, Eckler or CMC catch the ball. I think that's, you know, you're going to get a little more longevity, a little more, you know, it's going to look better down the line when you give it to those kinds of guys, not the big kind of run straight up the gut sort of dudes. But I don't know. I think it'll be interesting to see where it goes. Um, I would, it would be good to see. I don't know. It wouldn't be good, but it would be interesting to see if he actually held out to see how long that would go on and see kind of the back and forth possible trade places. I mean, you look at the teams that, I mean, when you look at like trades, especially for running backs, you got to look at the teams that have just an enormous amount of cap. And it's like teams like, you know, the Bears, 
We'll see what they do. But they have, you know, young GM's guy that came from Kansas City, where, again, they don't really spend a lot of money on the running back position. Like, they've brought Jarek McKinnon in every single year, and he's just a top 10 guy down the stretch. You know, teams like Atlanta, maybe. Like, New York's probably going to bring back Saquon. The Patriots already have Ramondre. The Texans, Texans sneaky could make a play like that just because, you know, we love Damian Pierce, but again, fourth round guy that's not really like a high value asset that they spent on him. So we'll see what happens. I mean, the Bengals sneaky have $35 million. We'll see. I mean, if Joe Mixon gets cut or something like that, I don't think they would go right back into spending more money on a running back with, you know, Chase, Burrow, Higgins coming up. So we'll see what happens. I, I think that he's a good player, and I think we'll see. I think if he's with the Raiders, it's a similar outlook to this year. But, um, but yeah. So it's probably too early to do running back rankings. Granted, it's until probably 5 o'clock on the Thursday of the first game, it's probably too early. So, I mean – the we're just doing this for fun. This is kind of just my thought process on how I think, you know, just based on last year, early stuff that we've seen this year and just different kind of stats that I like and, you know, think are important that, are, that go into this. So let's just hop into it by top 10 running back rankings for 2023. Number one, not really a, you know, bold pick, but I have Christian McCaffrey. I don't have Bijan Robinson in there yet. Not yet. But um, I have Christian McCaffrey, number one. Um, when he got to San Francisco, he had 23 points a game. He's getting like six targets a game, which is pretty normal stuff for him. Um, he played – he didn't miss any time this year due to injury, so that's good. Um, I think this is the best offense and play caller that he's had in his entire career. Um, so there's going to be lots of scoring opportunities, probably more than he's ever had in Carolina. Um, one thing is just like – when you have a guy like Shanahan and who's done stuff with Debo, I think it's going to be interesting. He's like the anti-Debo. He's the running back that can also play receiver. So I think there's going to be a lot of stuff that they're going to be able to work on throughout this entire offseason that, you know, drawing up different plays within the scheme. It doesn't, I don't really, I'm not really concerned who the quarterback is. I mean, you know, Trey, Brock, either way, I think they'll be fine. They'll figure it out. He's one of those players. I mean, who was he playing with in Carolina? Like, it doesn't really matter with him. Um, so that, yeah, I have McCaffrey one number two, I have Eckler. And the reason I have Eckler, I had him one till about like a couple of days ago. And I really started to dive into stuff. Everybody's very excited about Kellen Moore coming to Los Angeles. I think it will be great for the team as a whole. I think for Herbert, especially it'll be very good for him to have like, you know, somebody that will more most likely be able to use his strengths, which is his arm strength, pushing the ball downfield. But when you look at the Cowboys offense last year, the Cowboys were bottom 10 in running back targets. And that's what Tony, it's not like they didn't have the players for it. Tony Pollard was on the team. Tony Pollard's a very good, very explosive pass catcher out of the backfield. So when I look at Eckler and I look at the fact that He's never had 20 attempts in a game, and you know he's had the peak level of touchdown scoring already that a running back can typically have. Like, there's not really another step for him to go after he scores 20 and then 18 touchdowns. 
in two consecutive seasons. So I think if so, I think Kellen Moore is a smart guy. He'll be able to utilize Eckler in the ways that he has been before. But to what extent, if Burrow or not Burrow Herbert's pushing the ball down the field, then how much does that take away from Eckler? Because that was a big part of their offense was the little checkdowns and the short game for some reason with Justin Herbert, who probably has the strongest arm in the league. But, you know, I'm just a little concerned about how much is the pass game going to be kind of drawn back from him, especially, you know, he's also 28 years old. It's always kind of a concern, these running backs. But, yeah, I have I have Eckler, too. I have Saquon, three for now. I think he's going to be back, in, back with the Giants. The team around him is going to get better. I think that this is, like, you look at the team that they had this year, it's very similar to the team they had the year before that could barely win any games and was, you know, uh, QB sneaking on third and eight just so they, you know, didn't get a safety. So I think the more the team improves, the more the offensive line improves, passing game's going to improve. I think Daniel Jones is going to take another step. We'll see how big the step is. I also am assuming he's coming back as well. And if he doesn't, I'm sure that it's going to be a better option. That's the only reason they wouldn't be bringing him back. So I also think, you know, he only – had like 50 something catches this year. He had 90 his rookie season. I'm not I'm different offense, different schemes, all that different stuff. I just think there's a little more room to grow overall. You know, 10 touchdowns again, team gets better around him. We'll see what happens with that. So I have him three. Um, a week ago when we did the, when I talked about B. John Robinson and how I only had four guys ahead of him, that's changed. There's only three guys. He is my number four running back. I put him, I bumped him above Josh Jacobs and I'll get into why it's more of a, more of a against Jacobs thing than anything that's come out about Bijan. There's nothing that's really changed so far with him. He's just right now, 21 years old, no injury history of, you know, major significance. He's the best kind of college running back that we've seen since Saquon. That's kind of like a unanimous opinion that we're, you know, I'm seeing. So, you know, six yards of carry, 16 yards per reception. We went all the, like, over all the big stats. The team, again, we'll see who he ends up with. If they're drafting him, he's going to be used. That's why they're taking him. He's most likely going to be a first-round pick. So that's why he's going, he's going to be used because people see a vision for how they can implement him in their offense. Um, and then you just look at in the past, like since 2017, the running backs have been taken in the first round. Najee. Not this year, but last year, running back three. Jacobs and Clyde Edwards-Alaire were both round one guys. They're 21 and 22. I mean, they were also later first-round guys. I think – I'm not saying Bijan's going to go in the top 10. He's a top 10 talent. The guys that go in the top 10, Saquon, RB1, Zeke, RB2, Fournette, McCaffrey, both top 10 guys. I think that's more of the class that he is in, even though he – almost certainly won't go in the top 10. That's the kind of player he is. So I think I'm I'm going to be very comfortable taking him very early in drafts just because I think that that's kind of the realm he's in. Granted, it's February 5th, so a lot can happen until then. Right now, he's four. Again, I said earlier, I think I could see him getting up to one. We'll see what happens. Yeah, as of right now, I have him at number four, B. John Robinson. Number five, I have Jacobs. We talked a little bit about him earlier. I think he's going to be back in Las Vegas. When you look at 
the season that he had last year and just the sheer volume that he put on his body at 393 touches. If you look at the guys recent, like within the past five years that have had that sort of volume, like in that echelon, Christian McCaffrey, Derek Henry, Najee Harris, all of those guys were over 380 touches. All of them had injuries the next year. Like, Najee played through his foot thing, but it was very clear that thing bothered him for most of the first half of the year. You know, McCaffrey, it was the 2019 season, the 2020, 2020 was the year he only played three games. And Derrick Henry, that was when he broke his foot after playing only eight games. That was the year after his big carry season. Then you look at it, 370 touches, David Johnson or Jonathan Taylor. Again, both got hurt. Zeke is the exception. He had another season of similar, but not at quite as many touches. But then the next, we look at him now, and it's just he's not really the same player. I'm not. I don't try to predict injuries, but seeing numbers like that make me very concerned. So I think it'll be interesting to see, like again, where he goes could have an effect. Maybe they use him less, but part of the reason he was so great this year was just he was getting the ball all the time. And I don't see how it's possible that he can do that again. So we'll see how it goes. He's still fairly young. He's 25, but that's just a major concern for me. I might end up moving. He might end up sliding lower as we get close to the year just because of that. Um, Number six, I have Aaron Jones. You know, it's just, it was a little kind of a rough ending to the season. He was only averaging like two points per game more than AJ Dillon. He got out touched in the red zone, like nine to four by A.J. Dillon through the whole year. I'm anticipating Aaron Rodgers not being back on that team. So we'll see what happens. I think if Jordan Love is the starter, that's when you get more into they're going to rely on the run game, rely on the screen game, which is where he, you know, very much thrives. And again, he's not a guy like differing from Jacobs where he's not going to get a massive workload, but he's going to catch the ball. You know, he's, very good in open space, pretty reliable guy. He had, you know, four games over 20 points, only five games less than 10 points, which that's kind of my tier. The 20 points, the over 20 point games are like what I call league winning weeks. And then, you know, the under 10 games, those are games where, you know, we're not very happy about it. So I think, I think Jones will be just very solid. I, that's where it's really the only reason here. He's just solid. Derek Henry. I have him at seven. It's just the same reasoning as Josh Jacobs. He was a 380 touch guy this year, but he's also four years older than Josh Jacobs. Um, he, you know, was one of the guys that had gotten hurt after one of those, you know, high volume seasons. He also just doesn't, he doesn't really bring anything in the past game. I know we say this every single year about him, but it's just like at some point, all these carries and all this high workload, high usage is going to come back. And, we look at the Titans right now, this is going to probably be the, this upcoming season might be the worst roster they've had. You know, this team's aging. They're going to be getting rid of guys like Taylor Juan. We'll see what happens if they can kind of retool and revamp the entire offense. But, you know, if they have Tannehill and they don't really improve the weapons on the outside, it's just going to be more stacked boxes. It's going to be, you know, no vertical pass game to kind of stretch things out, open up lanes for him to go. So, We'll see what happens. Again, 
the high volume with a guy at 29 years old just kind of scares me. Um, number eight, I have Nick Chubb. Again, it just he wasn't great with Deshaun Watson. Like, he's 12 points a game, one touchdown. He's, again, kind of similar to Henry. He's not really a factor in the passing game. He's just extremely solid, though. I don't think you're going to be able – if you pick Nick Chubb, you're not going to be, like, upset about it. That's kind of my basis for this. I had Tony – I have Tony Pollard at nine. I had him above Nick Chubb, but until I there's more things worked out with where he's going, how he looks, you know, coming off of the injury and stuff like that, I don't think I can put him any higher than nine. However, I don't think I can put him any lower than nine or ten because we saw in the last, like the last ten games of the season, he's 19 points a game. So that's – I mean, I can check right now. I'm pretty sure that was a that's yeah that was he was a top four running back the last ten weeks of the season so you can't not put him this high I think there's gonna be a lot of questions that are gonna be answered this is a guy like if we find out in you know July it's like oh everything's great he's running great he went to a team where he's not going to have to compete as much for touches then yes he could get up into the I think he could even get up into my top five but for right now there's a lot of questions so I'm not really psyched to put him any higher than this but again i would love to see him go somewhere be fully healthy and really get to kind of take over a backfield and just be the guy and then at number 10 just kind of throwing a dart i had travis Etienne. he split carries the first half of the season with james robinson he had a fumbling issue like remember he was just like be in the goal line just wide open nobody around him he just dropped the ball so we'll see what happens with that. He had five touchdowns. I, again, I like seeing when offenses improve, like it's going to be the second year of Doug Peterson. We'll see what happens. You know, a big step from Trevor Lawrence plus adding Calvin Ridley offense benefits as a whole. He scores more touchdowns he had five yards of carry. I like guys like that. He was better in the second half full off season to, you know, recover from the foot thing that he, the list, I think it was Liz Frank that he had, the year before, so we'll see what happens. Um, quick omissions from the top ten. Um, I didn't have Kenneth Walker in there. Like more than a quarter of his points came from touchdowns, which is a little high. You know, guys like normally like twenty is kind of like the average. Like Saquon, CMC, Jacobs were all at like 22 percent. He was at like twenty seven. Um, Points per touch, he was under 0.8, which is not – I don't really like that. And it's just like – just kind of like the high floor guy. But it's just – if you're going to take somebody in the first two rounds, I like to think that they can win a league, and I don't think he's a league-winning player. I think he's just a guy where it's like, oh, he will be solid every week, and that's fine. But I think the other guys ahead of him just have a higher ceiling. That's kind of what I'm looking for in a running back. Like – Every all the running backs have low floors technically, just because of the position they play, opportunity for injury. So I want a guy with a little bit higher ceiling. I just don't see it with him. Um, Brees Hall is somebody again where I don't really, I'm not too fond of the guys that are the first year off the knee injury. I I was very high on Brees coming into last year. I traded up in one of my drafts to go get him. So. You know, I hope he does come back and he's fully healthy and he plays well. But for now, we'll see. I had him like 15. And then 
I had Jonathan Taylor. I had Jonathan Taylor 17. I know that's probably low, but I don't know, man. When, when I hear them saying that they're going to bring back Jeff Saturday, I, there's just no possible way where I can like look at him as a player the same. Like I'm not saying the 2021 season was a fluke, but again, it's like I, I just can't see myself drafting him over guys like 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 over Najee Harris over like James like teams with good coaches like even Ramondre like Ramondre was very productive in chaos it's like we saw what Jonathan Taylor did in chaos it's just like when you don't have the pass catching ability and your team's going to be losing because your coaches suck then I just can't possibly like use a high pick on you that's just it's just very concerning the points per touch I mean, it was abysmal. It was like 0.66. And like we went over this like a couple episodes ago. One is like elite. So when you're 0.68, like 0.8 is like kind of okay. But 0.66 is just terrible for somebody. Like there, I've seen people have him in the top three. I just, I just, jaw hits the floor. I just don't know how you can do that. When the question mark of the who the coach is going to be, I think Jeff Saturday is inept. I think he's terrible. And like, I, I just I can't see it. And then I didn't have Dalvin or Kamara very high. They're just getting older. I mean, it sucks because they're both sweet. But at this point, and then like you look at Kamara, the offense just might not be great. Who's their quarterback? They don't have Sean Payton calling plays anymore, so they don't have the creativity to give them the ball. And like Dalvin, it's kind of similar to like this happens to Jeff, Justin Jefferson a couple times a year, where it's just like Kirk Cousins just can be so bad. That it just sucks the life out of the team. And I don't know. I just can't really put him that high. Um, so that was my top 10 and a couple of omissions. Um, we did. We've all already moved Bijan up a spot. We This might happen pretty fast. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this. I'll try to do some stuff with the receivers maybe. Maybe the tight ends. Tight ends will be easier. <laughs> it's just Kelsey one, and then we'll figure it out after that. But um yeah, I hope you enjoyed this. And if you guys like the rankings, you know, let me know. Okay, well, that was it. Um, now I'm going to fire this thing up, try to get on Spotify as soon as possible. Got to decide whether or not I want to watch the uh, the Ravens 30 for 30 that came out tonight or the new episode of The Last of Us. Um, both looks, I mean, well, The Last of Us has been sweet, the... 30 for 30 looks pretty sweet too. So um again, if you guys enjoyed, five stars, tell your friends. Um we didn't have anybody listen to the last one. So, you know, I I don't blame myself. I thought the last one was pretty good. If you you know, if you're still here, you want to listen to the last one, it's still up. So go listen to that. Um, you know, rate, comment, tell your friends, do whatever. Peace. <laughs>